Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast. Uh, last week, we had the pleasure of speaking with Cozy Whitman uh, from College Inside Track, and we spoke about the FAFSA form and how it helps with financial aid and how it helps with college funding. And this week, kind of continuing with our college funding series, we're speaking with Ken Ruggiero of Ascent Funding. I hope that you enjoy this episode, and I hope that you get some tips on how to pay for college, uh, learn a little bit about some of the different types of loans, because how we pay for college affects decades of our lives, both of the parents and of the student. Which college we choose affects decades of our lives, and um, which career path we choose also affects decades of our lives. So these are decisions that we need to give a lot of thought to so that we're able to lead financially sound lives in the future. And before we get started, please like and subscribe this podcast on whatever platform that you listen. And if you've gotten any value from this show at all, uh, I would consider it a favor if you would uh, share it with any friends, families, colleagues, or coworkers. And we hope that you enjoy this episode. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with Certified Financial Planner, David Chudik, where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. This is David Chudik, and welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast. As you know, I'm a financial advisor with Parallel Financial. And what we like to talk about here on the show is um, the tactics and the strategies that can help you to build and maintain wealth. Well, one of the tactics that uh, a lot of people use is going to college and and pursuing their education. But of course, that comes with paying for college and choosing colleges. So today, I want to introduce you to Ken Ruggiero, and he's an advisor with Conscious Capitalism and the CEO and chairman of Ascent. And that's a student success company offering success programs and uh, outcome-based education loans. Ken loves what he does, and he really wants to help his clients and students to develop a and gain a high return of investment for their degree and their careers. So, hey, Ken, how are you? I'm doing great, David. Thanks for having us. Cool, cool. So how does somebody kind of get into the, 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 the college advising world? Yeah, it's, uh, um, for, for me, personally, it's just been a journey from really the way I got myself through college. And uh, and, and I've been able to have one of those unique opportunities to intersect some of my, my personal passions. And, you know, when I get frustrated, I look for solutions. Uh, so that's, that's a lot of the reason why Ascent was started some six years ago. And, and then so I've intersected what I like to do. And I, and I think I'm getting pretty good at on the, on the, uh, career side with, with a lot of, uh, problems that happen in families as they plan for and pay for higher education. Absolutely. I remember, God, it's, uh... I graduated college in 96, which is showing how freaking old I'm getting. But um, <laughs> my, my first major was was marine science because it sounded like cool. Like, yeah, you go you go study dolphins and fish and, um, you know, it just sounded interesting. But I didn't really come from a lot of money. And I remember kind of in my first uh, semester going to the career office and saying, look, you know, like how much money could I possibly make with this degree? Because money, you know, money doesn't solve all the world's problems, but obviously lack of money. And 
you know, quite frankly, where I would have topped out just was not, you know, as someone who was going to have to support a family and, 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 uh, you know, it, so I, I changed majors because um, sometimes the cool majors don't pay all, don't pay all that much uh, when you get out. So let's jump right into it. And, and I wish I would have talked to you over a year ago, because I have a, a college um, freshman now, but I also have twin high school freshmen. So hopefully I'll learn a little bit something um, uh, today. So so let's somebody say somebody has a high school senior, okay? Don't know necessarily what they want to do, where they want to go to school. They might want to go to the, you know, these, the, you know, the football school in their state that has the big football program, which obviously doesn't necessarily mean that they fit in. Um, they might want to go to the, you know, the big name school that you've heard of. Like, take us to step one as far as high school seniors. What are you telling them and their parents? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and and. Uh, um, just just a quick quick background on on the, the context for my answer, or maybe the background on how I get to some of these you know, these answers you'll be we'll be chatting about today. One uh, Ascent right now is the leading outcomes based lender in the country, and we can go through what that means in a little more detail later, perhaps. But um, but what we what our vision what our mission and vision statement is is to revolutionize the way students plan, pay, and succeed in school. So so we look at you know, like, like when you talk about parents or high school seniors or freshmen, we're we're looking at you know from each part of their evolution uh, before, during, and after their education path. Like what do they need? And, uh, and, and so, so you chose for your example, uh, a high school senior. And I would say, well, like, if you want to be really positioned for success as a high school senior, it, it, I could argue it starts in middle school with what you're sure. taking from a math and an English and a science perspective. It definitely starts uh, as a freshman in high school. And we've seen many students and families, I, I call it getting off sides. You, you, uh, you go from eighth grade to your, your freshman year, and, and there's some counselor at the high school that goes, ah, just take algebra two over again. You'll get an easy A, and your parents won't yell at me. They don't say that last part. And uh, now, you, now you just did get the easy A, but you're not going to get to a higher level calculus by the time you're a senior year. And if you look at the admissions applications, if you don't get to Calc AB at a minimum or Calc BC, which is the next level, you just don't qualify to apply to the top 100 schools in the country. And I'm just talking about one class, one math, where you, you think you're doing the right thing by juicing your GPA. And now you're sitting there as a senior looking at your applications and going, wow, I didn't take Calc AB or BC, and that's required for the admission standard. So I didn't say SAT. I didn't say AP. Right? I just said class. So, so the advice the advice for all parents is uh, don't delegate your uh, the the academic curriculum of your kids ever. Like, like wow. what about sixth grade? Ever that ever means ever. It's like uh, like a lot of I've seen a lot of dads delegate it to their children or their partners, and uh, they, they they get that academic bill in in the senior year, and they're like, well, I went to Tufts. Why can't you? I went to Clemson. Why can't you? And you're like, well. Um, you know, the GPA is not there or the coursework's not there. So that's, that's number one. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So is it better maybe to, I don't know, get a slightly lower GPA uh, grade on a higher level class, as opposed to, like you said, taking it the second time and, and getting an, an A double plus. Yeah. Yes. I mean, like, I mean, it's, it's hard, it's hard for parents and students to, to grasp the fact now, a slightly lower grade is is a B or a B plus, not a not a C, right? Okay, so right. C doesn't show true proficiency, especially given some grade inflations that are happening all over the world. Uh, so, so yeah, you're you're better off reaching for a higher class and getting a lower grade than you are 
uh, just get, getting the quote easy A. And, and very often colleges, uh, since, they, since they struggle to analyze the quality of the high school and the GPA, they'll look at the highest class available at the high school. So some schools don't have AP courses. I have two sons, two very different learning styles. Uh, one of them went to a, a school, a, a, a private high school that had no AP classes. The other one went to a high school that had like an, an enormous amount of AP classes. Uh, different learning styles, different settings, different success rates. So the, the colleges go, hey, as long as they're taking the highest class available, then we know that they're academically challenging themselves. So, so, so that's what you want to look for as well. Okay. Yeah. Now that's, that's interesting. Cause I would have honestly, I would have thought the opposite, get the highest grades you can, you know, on maybe lower level classes. And, and that would just kind of pad the numbers and look better on paper. But uh, that's one of the things I always talk about on the podcast is, is as normal people, we don't know what we don't know. So it's always good to work with an expert with whatever field you're, you're looking at. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, a college admissions expert by any stretch. So, and, and I just, I just would have made a, made a, made a wrong decision. So, but what yeah. about like, and, and it also matters college? what state you're in. It also okay. matters what state you're in. Uh, like in California, uh, kind of uh, like the, the way, the way the high school system works there is, is the top 10% or 5%. I, I, I've lost track of which number of the, of the students that are graduating from that high school are offered direct admission into the UC system. So, so you're literally competing against your, your classmates for, for, for spots that make you eligible to go to a state school, which is, don't get me started on, on like the, the fact that you're only taking the top five or 10% of the smartest kids in your state and allowing them to go to a state school. Um, that, that seems yeah. odd. In Georgia, they have the Hope, uh, they have the Hope Scholarship, which is another GPA driven. So, so you have to be careful. Like, like I gave you a very straightforward answer by your state, you need to be very surgical with, with what class you're taking relative to what you're trying to achieve to get the maximum amount of aid by your, your state and federal government options. Gotcha. Gotcha. And again, I think that's where some, some handholding by professionals certainly would, um, would help. So like, how do you, how do you advise parents or what questions you, do you ask? Let, let's say I, you know, I have a, a child that's thinking about the state school that's relatively affordable. And then, you know, they're also would like that big prestigious name. That's a hundred thousand dollars a year. And, you know, number one, is that $100,000 degree necessarily worth that much more in, in return on investment? And number two, I mean, if your financial reality doesn't allow your parents to, to pay for it, you know, do you go into debt to get a more prestigious degree? So what are like some of the thinking and talking points for that question? Yeah, the uh, uh, so part of the, the there's many founding principles when you when you start a company and, and one of them was uh, and this was very personal because my wife and I were we started ascent when we had teenage boys mm -hmm. and I was I was reflecting on how I went to college as a first-time learner as uh, sons of sec as, uh, one of three sons of second generation Italian parents and uh, and 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 I and my planning for college was going to the my public high school's library and renting Peterson's Guide to Colleges. That was mm -hmm. that was all I had at the time. And then right. my paying was my my dad said to his three sons, "Hey, you're all paying for college, and you can work in the ice cream store to save money." And that's what we all did. And that that felt normal. I had a great childhood. But adjusted for inflation, study. college was much less expensive back then, right? 
It was, yeah, in yeah. California right now, where where I'm, uh, where I live with my family, that you you can't you can't afford to pay your way and save your way through a state school in most state schools right now. So mm-hmm. so the paying piece has gotten significantly complicated. And then on the succeeding piece, uh, I didn't uh, to your earlier point about majors and jobs and starting salaries. None of that data was available, and I'm not going to say when I was looking for it, but none of that data was available decades ago. And and the, the best you could do was talk to people who you trusted. I talked to my parents. They said you should be an accountant. Everyone needs an accountant. So I went to UMass and got an accounting degree. That was the level of support I had. So so fast forward to today, the access to data is enormous. It's it's too it's actually there's too much data available. So parents are on data overload. The students are on data overload. So so the advice I have several I have lots of advice, but the ones I'll distill for this this part of the question is one uh, don't be embarrassed about talking to your kids about money, and 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 it's a very it's a very difficult topic to have as parents. There's a lot of emotions. I didn't save enough. I did save them up. I should save more money for the second one than the first one. I can't say that out loud, right? Like there's a whole lot of stuff that mm-hmm. goes on. And 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 by the way, there's there's usually three people sitting at that table: the 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 the, the parents and the child. So mm-hmm. so sometimes you're not on the same page as your partner. And, uh, and, and that makes it even more confusing for the student who's saying, I just want to go to Columbia University because it's cool and it's in New York City, it's an Ivy League school, and, and you're looking at a, a $70,000, $80,000 per year times for a quarter million dollar bill going, I don't know if marine biology is a really good major to get at that Ivy League school. Nothing against marine biologists. I don't want to get lit up for mar- nothing against Columbia. I got my MBA there that, that I, I had to pay for and took student loans for. Like, like, there's nothing wrong with that. What there is wrong are people who are making a really, really bad investment that will, in some cases, last a lifetime. So one, before you get started talking about how much college costs, start talking to your, your children about how money works. Mm-hmm. And, and you're like, oh, like that's, yeah, I gave them an allowance. I'm like, no, 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 you need to start sitting down with them. And, and, and if you go to the Bright Futures Engine, which we created at Ascent, it's our very, very simplistic attempt to distill an intensely complex uh, conversation that I just described. So, so what we wanted to do was signal to that marine biologist going to, let's not pick Columbia, let's pick UCSD, University of California, San Diego, because they actually have an excellent marine biology program. Uh, let's, let's look at that. And the starting salary, probably using round numbers, is about $40,000. So if you, if you graduate from UCSD, you know, round numbers, $40,000. Well, the annual in-state room tuition and board is $36,000. So if you go to Bright Futures Engine and punch in uh, a few different numbers, you'll be able to see, uh, we want to show you the multiple of the starting salary to the tuition. So, so if, if we like to say, so now we're not talking about a complicated IRR or ROI or what's the NPV mm-hmm. of and how long does it take, four years, like, like we can do all that math. There's calculators out there, like Georgetown just came out with some great calculators that allow you to get those answers. But when you're talking to a 17 or 18 year old student and and one or both of the of the parents are mathematically challenged. We're like, we need to make this really simple, right? Right. But I think also for your kids to understand how much money it takes to support your current lifestyle. You know, I think our kids, you know, they know what our mortgage costs. You know, they know within reason. If they want something similar, they're going to need to earn something similar. And some careers pay that. Some pay more. Some pay less. And and not that 
the the earning potential needs to be the only factor, but it needs to be a factor in your career path because um, you know anybody who's never had any money <laughs> knows that lack of money creates some stress, creates some issues, and everything else. So so let me ask you this: when a kid says, "Well, I'm really passionate about X Y Z," that that is not a profitable career. What's your answer to that? You know, let's and let's not, we're not going to dump on the art majors, but you know, the, let let's let's talk about art. You know, somebody loves art. You know, they call them starving artists for a reason. So, so how do you kind of have that conversation? Yeah. Uh, so my uh, my my son uh, who graduated last year, which is super exciting, but he he when he was uh, when he was a freshman in high school, he got into photography. And he had a he had an older friend that was that he'd met through theater, and that older friend went to a private liberal arts college in Seattle, sixty five thousand dollars a year. Had a great photography program, and my my freshman my my, my freshman son in high, freshman high school son says, "I want to be a photographer." There's this guy Peter Lick. I can sell my pictures for a million dollars, and I want to go to this college, sixty five thousand. He left that part out, sixty five thousand dollars a year in 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 Seattle. And I, and I looked at, I, it's very easy to go out and look at what's the, what's a, what's a salary, an average salary for a photographer. And it is not $65,000, let alone times four. So, so this, this father said, Hey, uh, I think it's better to apprentice for, so I will pay if you, if this is your passion, if your life's pursuit is to be the best photographer or one of the best photographers, let's do it. Uh, I'll support you, but, uh, but we're going to do it a different way. Like you're going to get your technical skills at community college because they've got good equipment there. And then I'm going to pay you money. I'll, I'll be your internship sponsor and we will go find photographers in the Southern California space that are that are doing the kind of art you want to do. And, and uh, we will try and talk them into hiring you and I'll, I'll pay you a salary while you do that because it's better for me to pay you to live your life and pursue your art craft. So uh, so fun fact, uh, we, we were out. Uh, he became a nurse. He, he, he went to the University of San Francisco, got a nursing degree, uh, not a photography degree. And that's a very lucrative college. and flexible career. Yeah. And he didn't go into it for the money. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he went into it because he found his passion uh, in his junior year. And, and maybe he kept his options open because I didn't crush him like a grape when he was a freshman with his, his aspirations. I let him, I let him think and, and ideate around what could be. But then I brought him down to the simple economics of, of what was going to happen. And, 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 and that's what you want to do with your children because it does get emotional. So, so while they're saying, I want to go to a big name school, the, the answer shouldn't be no, right? The answer should be when, right? And, right. Okay. and, if, and, and if you said, and if someone said, hey, uh, uh, I, I, want, I want to go to this, you know, I, I want to go to the University of Michigan because I like Big Blue and, and uh, like that's where I want to go. And you're sitting in South Carolina, you're like, wow, there's some good state schools in South Carolina. I want you, like, no, I want to go. So uh, you're like, okay, well, there's different ways to get there. And uh, what you have, you have twins. I, I talk about dual enrollment all the time. So you would get like two squared enrollment, right? So, so dual enrollment is while you're going to high school, you take classes at the local community college. So you're, you're getting your, in my calculus example, you can be taking calculus at your local community college for, for free and you're getting uh, high school credit and you're getting college credit. So you're knocking out some of your college cores at the same time, and, and you don't have to mm-hmm. sit for an AP class, right? You pay for an AP, get all stressed with the site. You just take a class, just take it on a different campus. Right now, you can take it virtually. So, so what I like to tell the parents uh, is, is one, well, 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 what we say at Ascent is we want to help students and families from when they're 18 to their second job. 
So, so what, well, well, Ken, when you graduate, you get your first job. Yes, you do, but you don't always get the, like, just like you don't always get everything you want in a, in a school or a, or a career, you know, like we hire a lot of new hires and, and, and as do all of the companies in this, many companies in the country, not everybody loves their first job. So, so we, right. we, we coach people to say, Hey, you know, this is a journey. It's not, you know, it's not a point solution and it's not the college that's going to define you. Okay. Yeah. Getting into the college of your dreams is not successful. You know, getting to being a, a happy and successful and well-balanced and, and, uh, and, and um, community focused person on your second job. That's, that's what I call success. And that's a long pipe, right? That's going from 18 to 28. That's a decade of working. Oh, no on question. your education and your behaviors and your involvement in your mm -hmm. in your community and your and your employer. So, so that's my advice. Like, don't 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 define success. You know, in these tiny little windows of you know, short attention span theaters. And and if you can get your child to think about what it's like to be twenty eight, uh, their their head yeah. kind of explodes, right? And, but but like you're like, hey, let's like let's not get too upset. Let's not get too excited. Or too happy about these mile these, these milestones uh, on the journey for the next ten years. Well, and then you know the other part of that is so you brought up the photography, and oftentimes photographers can do really well owning their own photography business. But taking pictures and being a great photographer is a different skill set than being the entrepreneur who's running the photography business and. Um, you know, where are you going to get your clients? Who's going to do your books for you? Who's going to, uh, you know, who are you going to hire? So, you know, kind of understanding the lifestyle, um, you know, taking pictures is cool, but do you want to run a photography business is, uh, and, and can you develop those skills to run a photography business? Those are just mm -hmm. factors to think about and consider. And if, if you're yeah. set, if you're, if you're, if you're wired for that, great, but you, you may, may not be so. Right. Yeah. And, and getting, getting people in touch, like, like the other thing that parents have access to is their own network. So, uh, so mm -hmm. you probably know in our example, a photographer, so you, you could, or you've been to a wedding or you've been to a, uh, you, you know, you, you've been to uh, a graduation or something and you see that the, the people with video and, and still, so, so th there, there's lots of ways to like, before you talk about money saying, Hey, see that person dragging around all that equipment at the wedding. Like that's, that's part of running a yeah. photography business because it's yeah. not you all see about that taking... person that just got yelled at by the stressed out bride's wife. <laughs> that's part of it, right? I mean, that's not, it's not yeah. all, everything has other, other aspects, not just the, uh, the photography or, or the main skill. So, yeah. yeah and and so the, that... the last thing on that is, is it a hobby or an occupation? And, and right. sometimes, right. sometimes students and families confuse the two because the hobby, you have an enormous amount of passion. You don't have to be told mm -hmm. to do it. And then they're like, well, I have passion. I don't have to be told to do this thing that I'm happy doing. I should do this for a living. It's a natural, it's a natural transitive property for a teenager, right? And, and your job as an adult is to say, hey, let's talk about the math of a hobby versus the math of an occupation, because you can have both. It's not right. either or. Right, right. Well, and, you, you know, you kind of almost ask yourself, would you pay you to do that? So, you know, in some cases, there are hobbies that are really, really cool, but nobody's going to pay you to do it or not pay you enough. So you, right. maybe you figure out a way just to enjoy it, or maybe there is a way to earn a substantial living. But so let's say your, 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 your child, either in working with someone like yourself or just kind of doing soul searching and working with their parents, they found the school, they've, they've done uh, they've done the, uh, the, the, the campus tours, maybe they've been accepted, the, the, the major is there, and, and it's really where they want to go, but, but it's just, 
you know, it's, it's either stretching the budget or it's simply not in the budget. Like, what do you do? Do you, do you, do you say, well, just go to community college for your first few years? Do you, I mean, how do you, what are your thinking and talking points when, when the when what really appears to be the right school is just, it's out of that budget? Yeah. So, so the, um, let's, let's go to how should you set yourself up to pay for, for the school, any uh-huh. school before you find out whether or not you can afford it. So, so the, the, the first thing you need to do is to really look at what's the net tuition of the school. So, so that, 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 that headline number is very seldom the number that students pay uh, for the school. So, and, and that's, that's, that's been going on. So right now on average uh, there's a 50% discount on, on, colleges from what they advertise versus what they actually charge students and families. So it's kind of sad, right? That $65,000 a year school, they, they on average, because, you know, some students don't have enough money, some students get scholarships, on average, they, they charge half of that. So, okay. so it's very confusing when you're planning to, to like, if you take that 65,000 and multiply it by four, you're like, that's a no, right? But if you say, if you go to the website or you go to the, the, the government, the collegescorecard.org's got great net, net tuition data. So one, figure out how much you have to spend and then, uh, then figure out how much you know, free money you can get. There's a lot of local scholarships, there's mm-hmm. state scholarships. You have to apply early and often and, uh, and, and literally never stop. Some families get their scholarships uh, as you know because the parents are on top of the child when they're in their house and they get them as an 18 year old. They get to campus, they're like, oh, I'm too busy to apply for scholarships. Don't be too busy to apply to scholarships. There's a ton of free money out there. Some of it goes unallocated and that's a shame. So that's the second thing. Third thing, fill out the FAFSA form. The FAFSA form is the federal, the, uh, the, the, the free application for federal student aid. And, uh, and, and that's where there's more free money. So, so, uh, so sadly, right now, the average, uh, the average completion percentage for FAFSAs is 65%. So there's Jeez. free money. Wow. Bucket of money sitting there and only 65% in your state. I think you're, are you in South Carolina? South Carolina. Okay. In your state, 40% of your, your high school students complete the FAFSA is what the current data says. Wow. So, so yeah. So, so people say, oh, shouldn't, you know, shouldn't college be free? Shouldn't you get, shouldn't they give you more Pell Grants? Like, hey, we can't even get Americans to fill out a form that, uh, that, that gets them low cost loans and free money. So, and there's a bunch of reasons, not all of which I can ever understand, um, and, and many of which I can, because uh, go back to the earlier comment, in order to fill out the FAFSA, the parents end up sharing their tax returns and balance sheet with their child. And right. like, like, how old should your child be when they know what your net income is, Dave? I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, some people would say never. <laughs> Other people would say, I don't care. Uh, so, so when we look at these completion percentages, maybe, maybe there's more nevers in South Carolina than there are in Tennessee that's got almost a 70% FAFSA completion rate. So, so you've got, uh, so the, but, but get, like, get, get the application in. The, the window for application opens up in October and it closes on June 30th. So right now, if you know anyone who's got a kid in school and they haven't filled out the FAFSA, get it done uh, and find out if you qualify for any aid. Once you find out if you get free Pell Grants, you'll then be offered to take student loans. And right now, the interest rate on a six or $7,000 student loan that your student can take, your freshman in college can take, is about 3.7%. That's, so for, for your, I'm going to guess that your freshman in college doesn't have a FICO score and doesn't have a job that earns over $24,000. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the federal government's willing to give, uh, give 
give that person a 3.7% interest rate loan for 10 years. So, and some of that interest, if you feel relative to what your economic standing is, some of that interest, the government pays for you while you're going to school. So again, it, it, even though it's a $10,000 loan, by example, at 3%, you, the government's paying for some or all of that interest. So, so there's, so we haven't even gotten to like, how much money does David and his and his family need to spend, right? All you've done is gotten hopefully a, a four four thousand dollar Pell Grant, which is free money, a six thousand dollar loan. So you got ten thousand dollars that your student can apply for and get with your support on the FAFSA. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does um is there a like a set number where Pell Grants you're no longer eligible for Pell Grants if if your family makes X amount of dollars? Yes. Yeah. It's it I it's if you're making and the salary number is tied to the amount of assets you have, so okay. you could have you could make you know you can make fifty thousand dollars and have uh, a, a stock portfolio, and maybe some of your clients have stock portfolios of five hundred thousand dollars, and they're like fifty thousand qualifies, uh, you know, five hundred thousand dollars of an equity portfolio. They're going to say, hey, you you should. I, we've heard from parents that the school right. literally says you should sell some stock and pay pay your bills. And they're like, I, yeah. I don't want to sell my stock. And they're like, well, right. you have the money. We're not getting. We're not giving you any more money. So, right. uh, but it, but by and large, like right now, uh, um, you know, if you're if you're making probably under seventy five thousand dollars as a as a family of income, you you can apply for you you should apply and you can get different levels of aid. And if you've got like right now the Ivy Leagues and the Little Ivies, uh, if you, Little Ivies are like Amherst, uh, um, Smith, like the the there there's some 25 schools right now where if you if you're a family making under about 125 thousand dollars and you get into those schools, they you graduate with no loans. So a lot of these a lot of these schools, yeah. So 125 wow. that's that's 2x the median income of the country right now. So that's a big number. But a lot of these schools with large endowments have said, hey, if you're if you're if you're making, you know, if you're good enough to get into the school, we 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 are going to give you enough aid so that you you don't graduate with any debt. And uh, and so a lot of again, a lot of families don't know that. And and they're like, oh, well, I can't afford sixty sixty thousand dollars a year to go to NYU or go to or go to Duke. You know, like, well, I don't, I don't know if Duke's got that same program, but I'll, I'll pick ones I know, which is, you know, Princeton, Yale, Amherst College. Um, they, they all have these programs now that, that families should at least, if they can, if the student meets the academic criteria, you should totally throw an application oh, in and absolutely. see what happens. And so then, I so, hear so if, you, if, after, if after that, you still don't have enough money to pay, uh, that's where uh, there's two, two options that parents have. For the, for the 65% that filled out the FAFSA with their child, they, they can look at a plus loan, a parent loan for undergraduate students. And that mm -hmm. loan is a 10-year loan that usually carries about a 6% interest rate. So it's good. Um, it, 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 if you have bad credit, you should totally do that because uh, it, credit doesn't matter. As long as you haven't filed bankruptcy, the government will give that parent a loan. So that seems like a pretty low bar. Um, if you uh, but but and you can borrow up to the cost of attendance. So that's 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 kind but of dangerous. You would, in theory, have four loans. You know, your freshman loan, your sophomore loan, and yeah. so that would that's almost fourteen years worth of payments. So right, I mean, yes, okay. yeah, yeah, okay. No, it's 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 a uh, and and that's that's where we get into the budgeting and right. everything boils down to a monthly payment. Right, your what's your monthly income? What's your monthly expense? And that that gets to really your punchline, like how much. Can you and your 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 child afford 
when they when they are going through and then getting out and going into repayment. And and that's where we spend a lot of time at Ascent focused on saying, hey, do you have a budget? Uh, do you need, uh, we, we, we coach people to borrow less from us. We're one of the only lenders in the country that, that will say, hey, we're going to predict your outcome. Like we've done the math for you. And if your outcome is a starting salary that can't afford, like usually when they get to a cent, they've got other debts, right? They've got, they got a, a, a loan from the government. They got a loan from a competitor. Um, we're like, hey, just show us what you got because we will look at what you're going to need to get out of school and we will tell you what you can afford. And the number that you can afford isn't always the number you want. And that's right. different than the number you need. Right. right. So, right. so, so very often, like the, the, I like to joke because I've watched my kids go through offshore off campus housing. I'm like, I'm like, I know a way to lower your, your cost of an education, get a roommate, get another roommate. Right. And like, Oh, that's funny. I'm like, no, no, no. Like you can literally save $600 a month. If you share a bedroom, just like you did freshman year in a dorm room. Right. Like, yeah. well, I want my own room. It's like, yeah, but it's, it's $600 a month that you have to spend. And that's a lot of money. And that's not for nine months, like the dorm that's 12 months. Cause no landlord signs a nine month lease with a student, they right. a 12 month lease. Um, fun fact, you only get financial aid for nine months of housing. <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's true. That's true. I actually did an episode um, with our realtor called uh, free housing for your college student. And, and what my family did is we found, you know, a nice three bedroom brick house university near University of South Carolina it was relatively affordable. Um, and we're going to rent out two of the rooms. So and that's going to cover the monthly expenses. Now, is it going to cover the damage that a bunch of drunken idiots might do? Of course <laughs> not. But um, yeah, so instead of shelling out 700 to $1,000 a month to an apartment complex, we'll be at shelling out zero, which is huge, you know, depending yeah. on what the housing market is in certain college towns, you know, that that could definitely be an issue. Now I have a friend whose kids is going to Clemson University and, and numbers just don't work as far as real estate prices in, 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 in one town, but they did did in another. So there's always creative ways to to solve problems as well. But I think part of college is is you know, delayed gratification. I mean, some of these student housing complexes are nicer than my house and they have lazy rivers <laughs> and they have granite countertops. I mean, for lack of a better term, you're kind of supposed to live in a crap hole in college if you can't afford anything better, you know, and, and as opposed to accumulating debt over debt over debt to pay for a luxury student housing complex is, is Agreed. you know, and then that way you can afford a nicer house when you get out of school, as opposed to pay interest on, on, on the, on the nicer house. So tell me like, tell me about your company. The outcome-based loan is kind of fascinating. Tell me about what you do. And if, and if anybody is listening to this podcast saying, wow, that, you know, I'd, I'd like to connect. I'd like to learn more. Like, how would they do that? Yeah, I'll start with that spot, uh, that, that question first. So ascentfunding.com is, is where you can find all these, many of the tools I've mentioned in this, this conversation, as well as ways to, uh, to, to look at the quality of school. And, uh, and, and we have done a lot of the work for the families looking at, you know, looking at what's the return on investment in a simple framework. Uh, what are some of the best schools? We, we, do a lot, we do a lot of work on the quality of the school, whether it's Clemson or, or, or University, of Southern Carol, uh, University of South Carolina, or whether it's a, a coding boot camp or a skills training or a career development school. So, so we're trying to take the work out uh, because when you invest alongside or you lend alongside the student or family, I mean, we're, we're making 10 and 15 year loans. And, uh, and, I, and, and that's to, to people who don't have a job. And, uh, and, and who's the borrower? Is the borrower the parent or the student? 
It depends on the situation. Okay. Uh, we have a lot of loan products. So, so okay. we have a, a loan, the outcomes loan was designed just for the student. And you sound like a very supportive and, and uh, focused parent and not everybody's like you, David. And I, and I'm sure you've heard that before, but, uh, but like, so the so world is a better place have... because not everybody's like me. We got to say that as well. <laughs> But not, not everybody has parents who are going to be able to have these conversations. We have very many students that the number one reason why students drop out of school is money. Uh, 60% of them drop out citing money as the number one reason. So we looked at that problem. We're like, let's build a whole company that helps people plan to spend the money and then lend the money responsibly. And, uh, and so, so there's some loans that just the student signs. You have to be a junior or senior in a school that, that you know, a bachelor degree granting school going full-time that we work with. Uh, we, we have uh, loans for parents and students. So that freshman, we tried lending to just freshmen. And to your comment earlier, we, we, we gave a $7,000 loan to a freshman. We taught them how money works. And then sometimes they dropped out or they slowed down and they didn't pay us back. And that was, you know, we, we learned from that. So, mm -hmm. so we wait for them to get to junior to package just the student, but at freshman, we'll do a co-sign loan. Uh, if, if your credit isn't great, if your student credit isn't great, we have a loan for you, which is a very unique proposition because we're look, again, we're looking at the future outcome of the student, not the current credit score that in some cases doesn't exist or barely exists. So that's in the, if in I the could jump in on space. credit score, a little trick yeah. of the trade, our, our, um, high, uh, college freshman he's had a credit card of ours since he got his driver's license so he's you know always paid for gas and 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 that's a card that we pay off every month so he actually has like a 760 credit score because he has like five years worth you know and it's not his but it's five years worth of payment history and i think this card has like a thirty thousand dollar you know so so it looks good on paper now the negative is he could go out and buy something for twenty thousand dollars and <laughs> we couldn't stop him but if you have a responsible teenager and if you make them an authorized user on one credit card, they start building a little bit of credit. And, um, you know, that's just a good little trick of the trade. Um, for, yeah, I'll, um, I'll, I'll give you, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll one up your trick, David. So all right, let's uh, hear one, it. It, it, the, the way credit scoring works is it's critical that the card be issued in the student's name. So, mm -hmm. so lenders like us, when we see that dynamic, we don't give as much credit to the student because we know what you just said is the case. So you, you really need the card issued in the student's name. So, you know, like Discover will give you uh, cards. Ascent will have its own card out in, the, in June to give just the student the card for the exact purpose because you build your credit score faster. The card is issued in your name. The, cool. the second thing you should do is, uh, um, and I did this, you know, it's either really good or, or bad to be the, the, the son of uh, a guy working on student loans. I made both my sons take out loans and then uh, and then I paid them back for them while they were still going to school. So if you have a student loan and it's in what's called deferment, whether it's from the federal government or a company like Ascent, it doesn't affect your 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 credit score at all. It just it's it just sits there as an unpaid obligation that like doesn't tell any lender uh, or the credit bureaus whether or not you're a good credit. So. I had him take it. Uh, if he, if, if once when my sons got to be juniors, they took an ascent loan themselves, and then it just like a three thousand dollar loan, and I paid it back in six months for them. So their credit scores, I'm very proud, bragging moment. Their credit scores are, are, are right around seven eighty right now, but they have a thick file. So they graduated college with what's called a thick credit file, which makes uh, the, their access to get better cards and better credit extensions and better rates. So, so those are, if you're gonna pay for college, you can do that and teach your kid uh, about what 
credit scores are and, and how to manage their monthly speed, monthly expenses. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if your kid can graduate with a decent credit score, that just takes so many obstacles out of the way for life. I mean, credit score is an important number in, in a lot of, a lot of areas of life. Yeah. There's some jobs that, that like, if you go into certain financial uh, jobs, like even working in certain call centers in this country, which, which is, you know, which can be a great job and a, and a good living, uh, they will pull your credit score uh, mm -hmm. be, because they, they don't want people who are, who are, who are financially damaged or they're not allowed to because of their client restrictions to have people who have filed a bankruptcy or, uh, or delinquent on severely delinquent. So there's, uh, there, there, there's, there's other ways that fight. Now, I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying it happens. What's that, right that and what's reality may be separate issues depending on a lot of, yeah. a lot of areas in life. So, so yeah. And then yeah. David, the last thing is skills training. So mm -hmm. uh, college isn't for everyone uh, or it isn't for everyone uh, when they're 18 or 19. Right. So, so we, we work very closely with skills training programs. The biggest group we work with are, are, uh, are coding programs. So cybersecurity, full stack programming, UI, UX design. And, and uh, these are three, six, nine month programs, five days a week, 10 hours a day. It's like a job. It's not two classes uh, every other day of the week, not starting before 11, right? Summer's off. This, these are intense programs. So you come out of these programs and we work with schools and we do loans where if the student gets a job over 40 or 50 grand, they pay back their 10,000 or $15,000 loan. No, no job, no loan. So, so these are not, these, this is not Clemson, right? These are, right. these are schools. Many times parents haven't heard the name of, but the, the students are finding some of these programs because they, they are very adept at, at programming. They are very adept at fixing cars and they, they can just go get, uh, an HVAC degree, or they can get a, a an industrial welding degree, uh, or they can really go, good money. Yeah, no, no question. Those jobs all. are in such yeah. high demand, and there's yep. nothing wrong with them. Nothing yep. at all. No, I mean they are they are needed, um, without a, without a doubt. So, well, I mean this is this is really interesting, and and if you think about the 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 decisions that that we make for our children and that our children make, you know, literally when they're 16 and 17 and 18 years old, affects decades of 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 of, of our lives. So these are things that we need to think about very carefully. So I would encourage anybody to go to ascentfunding.com. That's ascentfunding.com. Look at some of the tools. If financing some of or all of, of tuition and college expenses are, um, are going to be needed, you know, this may be a way to uh, a way to do it in a way that makes sense. And there's some cool, cool tools on, on the site. Well, awesome. So did you have any, um, before we get to our closing question, any other kind of closing tips for the, the, the students that are a year or two away from college or even in college right now? Yeah, I, I think uh, um, networks matter. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the friend, friend networks matter. Uh, parent networks matter. It, it is, it is very, very hard to, uh, you know, to get through a, a college program without a support system. It is very hard to find that first or set first or second job. And, uh, and, and I think students look at, uh, like I'm learning now, and then I will look for a job. And I would say you're always looking for a job. It doesn't mean you're going to go to work. But you, you should always be looking for a job and you should always be talking to it when you when you come across an adult that's doing something interesting, just talk to them and uh, and you'd be shocked. Uh, we, we launched a mentorship program. So every student that takes a loan from us gets a success coach. So yeah. so we're like, hey, maybe you can't talk to your parent. Maybe you can't get the career center to answer a phone call uh, like 
So, so one is, you know, like, like seek out people's uh, guidance because there's a lot of people who are willing to not only share it, but help you get into uh, what you wanna do as a passion. The second thing, if you're in college is use your career center. Uh, I mean, the, the UMass, like if you walk into a career center and maybe, maybe uh, Clemson or, or Southern California, or Southern uh, Carolina, South Carolina is different. Like there's a lot of people there to help, but it hasn't really changed in decades. Like there's still a bulletin board that says, you know, Marriott's coming this weekend at the campus center. Right. right? So, so you need to use the tools that are there because once you graduate, you very often get shut off from all of the career center tools. So, so they're kind of done with you. you. You paid your bills, they gave you your certificate, everyone clapped, everyone wore a gown, goodbye, right? So, so once you leave, many schools don't allow you back in. So you're sitting there on LinkedIn, on Indeed, on the interweb, Glassdoor, trying to find a job. So start looking for that job or that internship with the tools you have available. And uh, you have great tools in many cases on campus. Students either don't know or don't care. And as an active parent, you already know. And you, are, I just told you, so you know. And then you should really care. And right. uh, uh, and and those are those are those are easy easy things to do that millions of people overlook every year. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to go through go through the effort, the expense, and the experience of college, you might as well maximize it. And and, and don't don't let the tools that are out there that you're, I mean, you're paying for that career center in the form of your tuition. So use use their expertise uh, for sure. So this is cool. So ascentfunding.com, we will put that in the show notes. And I really, I like to close the show. We are the weekly wealth podcast, and we talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and the strategies to help you to build and maintain wealth. So Ken, I wanted to ask you, what is your definition of true wealth? Your definition of true wealth? Well, that's a curveball. Didn't see that one coming, David. I, I always uh, got to throw a curveball. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I guess mathematically, true wealth is waking up each day and, and, and not, not being worried about paying your bills. Uh, and, and many of us, uh, you know, many of us, you know, do a great job at that and, and sometimes they don't. So I'd say mathematically, uh, I, I look, uh, I look at, uh, and I, and I coach, you know, students and, and, and our own employees and like, like true wealth is, are, are you, are you really well-rounded and really well-balanced in all parts of your life? And money is one part that, you know, creates and solves some problems, but, you know, as does your health, as does the community you work in as does the, your employees that you surround yourself with, as do the suppliers and partners that you go to work with to run businesses. So, so it's, it's not about solving, isolating one variable called money. It, it's, a, it's isolating all the variables that affect that money. And mm -hmm. if you get all of those, uh, your, 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 your personal life, your professional life, your family life, your, your, uh, um, your community, and, and if you're a religious person, your, your church life, you get all of that in balance and, and you are a very wealthy person regardless of that. That might be one of the better answers I've ever gotten to that question. So I like it. You get, you get an A plus sounds like you are, awesome. you're definitely on the right track. So I'm trying. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, I've enjoyed this. This, this is kind of applicable to me and my stage of life. And um, I've, I've had some team members of my office in the past that had just tons and tons and tons of student loans. And it was just like a burden on them and they didn't, they didn't handle it right. And, and I think they maybe lived the college life a little bit too much. And, and that's fine. We all make mistakes, but but planning and, and dealing with the college expense in the best possible way um, is just it's our responsibility as students and, and as parents as well. 
So again, everybody, if you're interested, go to ascentfunding.com, check it out. There's a contact us. And um, yeah, if it's something you want to look into, I would highly encourage it. So until next week, Ken, I thank you for your time and we wish everyone a blessed week. Great. Thank you, David. Appreciate the time. The information contained herein, including but not limited to research, market valuations, calculations, estimates, and other material obtained from Parallel Financial and other sources are believed to be reliable. However, Parallel Financial does not warrant its accuracy or completedness. The materials are provided for informational purposes only. It should not be used or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results.